This this is the Impressions Exchange Podcast. Impressions Exchange Podcast. Where all topics impacting the graphic imaging and printing industry are addressed via in-depth news coverage, analysis, and timely interviews. Hi, I'm Denise Gustafson, Editorial Director for Printing United Alliance and the guest host for this special Printing Impressions podcast series in celebration of Women's History Month, highlighting the women in the printing industry. During this series, I'll have the opportunity to talk with women from all segments of the industry about their experiences and their journey as a woman in the printing industry. So today, it's my pleasure to welcome Lane Hickey-Wiggins. She's president and CEO of Douglas Screen Printers. So Lane, welcome. Thank you. So kind of to get us started, can you describe a little bit about the work that you do as president and CEO? That's a loaded question, because I think I do a little bit of everything in that on any given day, I could be out on the production floor, running around, helping out on in, in any given capacity. And then sometimes I get to travel for my job. And other times I have to do the nitty gritty office work. So I get a varied array, I would say, of things as being president. My favorite is probably when I get to spend the day out on the production floor and and see all the magic that happens and the creativity that goes on. The creativity in this industry is just phenomenal to me. And I've been in it 25 years. So I can still, I love, like you said, going out on the production floor and just watching as stuff comes off the printers and seeing it getting fabricated and changed into that final product. Still mm-hmm. always so amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think what's especially humbling or, or awe-inspiring, whichever, is that I can go walk out on my floor and see something and realize the the final use of that product. Mm-hmm. And it just comes full circle for you, right? Yeah. And so the creativity just involved in making that final product and then knowing where it's going to be seen, that's what gets me excited. Yeah. Which is good. It's a good thing to get excited about. Mm-hmm. How did you get into printing? That's a funny story also. I had no intention of following in the family business footsteps. Mm -hmm. I went to SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, and I have a BFA in art history. So explain to me how art history and printing are married. I mean, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. (laughs) I mean, granted, some printing is done with art as an art Form? Some, some, right? <laughs> those are the fun projects that that we don't see in in uh, production, right? Yeah. But so yeah, I, I had no desire to really run this company. I grew up in it, mm-hmm. literally, as as a child was running around this very building. But the circumstance, you know, came about once I was graduating from SCAD, and it was an opportunity to to learn a lot about what it takes to go throughout the different phases of the career I've, I've, you know, been able to, to do. And it was unique in that how many young fresh out of college kids get offered the chance to come back into a business that they're, they've already been a part of, right. Mm -hmm. I was already doing some work for the company just on a small scale, but to come into the company and to really grow as a leader and then ultimately take over the company. So for me, I saw it as a way to somewhat apply my art history degree, but more so work towards 
how can I cultivate the leader that I want to be and also have fun at my job? So when you started back after you graduated from SCAD, what kind of jobs were you doing? Obviously, you had a career path. You didn't just come in as president and CEO. So what was your career path once you came back from school? Well, once I came back from school, I went into marketing. So I think I I started in marketing and then I went into like VP of marketing and then kind of sideways went into VP of client relations. And then that ultimately springboarded into um, the, the president position. But before I went to SCAD and I was in the company, I got all the grunt work, right? The, mm-hmm. the, you get to do this lovely Excel data entry that nobody else wants to do, or you get to answer the phone and here's your script or, you know, all yep. the things that nobody wants to do, but have to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've kind of run the gamut of things. I mean, I think I, at one point I was actually running the shipping department. So I, I've, I've done everything. You've swept the floors, you've done the shipping, whatever's needed. Yes. I have actually come in to do catch up on work over the weekend and ended up running a printing press. So yes, I can officially say I've pretty much done everything here. So how have the experiences that you had in all the different areas within the company really led to your success as a woman leader? That's an interesting question. I would be lying if I said I had the magic answer because I don't. I think that a lot of what goes into to being a leader and the experiences that I've had along the way is there's a lot of learning involved. And if you're not willing to learn, I think you really shortchange yourself in terms of how you develop as a leader, especially when you are a woman in the industry. And as we all know, this is a male dominated industry. So learning those lessons, whatever they may be, are all that more valuable because you're setting yourself that much further apart. I think that there are so many different things that I've experienced through the past 10 years that I've been running this company that have led me to this moment today of being a woman in in, in a male-dominated industry and trying to find my footing, if you will, as a leader within this industry. How do women really find their footing within a male dominated industry? I think we show up and we aren't afraid to show up. I find that sometimes being quiet is the best thing to do Mm -hmm. only because when you're quiet, you're able to take in all of the, the conversations happening around you and it makes you that much more powerful when you show up to the next conversation, right? I'm certainly not saying that suppressing your voice is the right thing to do, but I have found that taking in the conversations and listening to what's going on around you and experiencing what there is to experience within the industry at all of the different events, it's really a humbling experience to just be quiet and listen. And then show up to the next conversation with something really relevant to say. I personally also feel that it's really important to step outside of your comfort zone. So when you really don't want to go to that event with all the males, do it because you're standing up for yourself and you're standing up and advocating for women in the industry to show them that they can do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Listening is, is very powerful. I've found. 
I mean, especially because I'm usually the one asking the question. So I get to listen, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's amazing what people will say just in, in an answer to a question, just mm-hmm. listen, you build that knowledge and it just helps you along the way. Very, very interesting. I agree. I think it is very powerful. I feel like I've learned so much just from the different settings that I've been in, whether it's a board meeting, whether it's at the expo, whether it's a dinner, whatever, just from hearing others' experiences, especially when it comes from a place of, I've been in the industry for 25 plus years and here's what happened, right? Mm -hmm. And you get that from listening. So yes, I definitely agree. It's, it's interesting and it's, it's a great way to build your knowledge base and also I don't want to say provide you that one up, but provide you that one up. It's that little extra lift. Mm -hmm. Sometimes to get the other perspectives, like for you, you grew up in the printing industry, but Mm -hmm. for other women that I've talked to, they kind of fell into it and just the different career paths that they started on and then they maneuvered and then they ended up in printing. It's very interesting to see how those journeys are similar and different at the same time. And it's so beneficial to learn from both because I think I'm sure you can get things and tidbits out of someone or another woman that has been in the, in the industry as long as you, but she came in it through a different, a different way. Yeah. I, I think that as a, this isn't necessarily a a sexy career, right? I, I mean, and so I think that it's kind of hard to attract to in the first place. Mm -hmm. And more so if you're a woman, because you don't necessarily look at printing and be like, I want to do that. Right. But most six-year-olds don't say, I want to be a printer when I grow up. Exactly. They want to be a firefighter or a policeman Mm -hmm. or a doctor, right? Like all the cool careers, which I'm not judging because my husband is a firefighter. Love him. But I never wanted to be that. Right. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to run the company. Right. That was ultimately my goal, whether it was in printing or not. So I think that it's, it's certainly a hard enough industry to attract people to. Yeah. So getting visibility for women and helping women understand, you know, what goes into it and how good it actually can be is really important and, and certainly something I advocate for. I think one of the hardest things that the industry as a whole has to overcome is in some ways the, the bad rap that it has. Or the bad perception that it has, that it's an old industry, that it's maybe a dirty industry, or maybe people just think about it as a magazine, newspaper, things like that. Last year, I was I was frustrated because the New York Times did an article on the creation of a bestseller. And they actually did it from the production process, which I thought, oh, cool. But all the pictures that they showed were in an offset shop. You know, great big offset presses, but the pressmen are dirty and their aprons full of ink and there's mm-hmm. rags and things. And it's like, that just doesn't do our industry any good. Right. Right. It's tough. It is tough. I mean, it certainly has, there's a way to message it. Let's just say that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I agree that messaging the the labor side of it is is not the the best way to go about it. And part of it is that the printing industry, the press men or press people, as technically we should probably be saying, are probably the smallest piece of a much larger company Mm -hmm. because there's all, I mean, there's all different departments within a printing, you know, a printing company. 
mm-hmm. between customer service and finance, accounting. And I mean, you can go on in all the departments. It is printing. Yes, printing is what you guys do, but it's not necessarily the only jobs that are available either. Absolutely. Absolutely. Production is one one part of it, depending on your business model and, and the type of printing you're doing, certainly could be a smaller percentage. But I think that speaks to the point that branding and and messaging is everything and, and how you present something is super critical to someone's perception of it. Yeah. Some of the women I talked to, they're early in their careers. And one of the first comments they, they told me was like, I didn't realize what was involved in a printing company until they actually got in the printing industry because it was a, an account management or a customer service job. But then they just started realizing, oh, that's print and this is print. And this is all the things that incorporate in print. Yes. I just actually uh, was listening to president of Printing United Alliance, Ford Bowers. I was mm-hmm. listening to him talk about advocacy and how the government specifically m- maybe doesn't realize how all of these things intertwine into print. Print is not just a magazine, you know, like yeah. you just said. Print is not just that piece of paper, right? There are so many things that go into print. You can print almost anything now, mm-hmm. right? You can print wallpaper, you can print flooring, or you can be like me and print the labels. So whatever works. Honestly, yeah. a week or two ago, I was reading an article that they're printing solar panels now. Yeah. It's amazing, it's amazing. what can yeah. be done. The technology and, and to me, like, that's what makes print so fun and and so attractive is that it's just, it's ever changing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still doing screen printing and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I, I do not believe in the whole notion of screen printing is dead because I still live and breathe it every day at this shop, mm-hmm. but digital printing, 3d printing, all of the different things that are coming out now, it's so inspiring to look at, you know, what could be next for our company or what other companies are doing. And how can these all be complementary to each other? Right. Exactly. Because I mean, when digital signage and the screens came out mm-hmm. 10, 15, whatever years ago, they were saying that all the billboards are going to re- be replaced. That mm-hmm. didn't happen. Yeah. Because there is a time and a place for when it fits and when it doesn't fit. Right. And I think that's going to be true of print just in general too. Yeah. There's always a time and a place. And, and I think that most companies, obviously not all, because there are some that, that don't make it. But I think that for us, we've been in business since 1939. So we're obviously good at evolving to whatever's next, right? Mm-hmm. Started out as a sign company and have turned into you know a screen and digital printer. I think it's just about evolving into to whatever's the right next step for you and your company. Yeah. Just a matter of reading that crystal ball to figure out what is that next step. Right. Well, the, the, the inevitable crystal crystal ball is not, not easy to read. No, indeed. It is definitely not. So one of the things that, especially in the printing industry that we've seen is that a lot of women have had to make a choice between their career or deciding to get married, have a family and go that route. Mm-hmm. It's gotten better, obviously, as time has gone on and technology has changed with smartphones and other things, women are connected. Is that something that you were forced to make a decision about as well? Obviously, you wanted to run a company that was something that was in your DNA in some ways. 
And is that a choice that still a lot of women have to think about and consider? I certainly think consideration goes into it. For me, whether this is the right way or not, I did it all at once. So Mm -hmm. I took over a company. I got married about three months before I took over the company. I took over the company, had a child less than a year later, had my second child, I believe, three years after that, also managed to get an MBA in between all of that. Goodness gracious. Right. So, I mean, so I did it. I probably did it completely backwards, honestly, (laughs) but, but I did it. And for me, it wasn't really a, it's not that I didn't have a choice because you always have a choice. I just looked at it from a place of these are the things that I want to accomplish. I don't, you know, I want to be done with whether it's having kids at a young age, because that's what I chose to do, mm-hmm. whether it's getting the MBA at a young age and being yeah. done with it. And if I want to go get another master's degree, well, I have time to do that. Right. So I kind of crammed it all into, into the first, yeah. honestly, five years. So now is my time to be able to focus on other things and to be able to grow. But I fully recognize that, that not every woman has that choice to mm-hmm. be able to do everything that I did. And so I, I do think that our digital age and the technology advances that we have and, and the fact that we can be so connected is a great thing because I think it makes it easier for the woman that is newly married and decides she wants to start a family, but also still have her career. I don't think it's impossible anymore. I think that's kind of a antiquated view in that it used to be very difficult because it just either wasn't accepted mm-hmm. or the means weren't in place for someone to, for a woman to be able to do it. But now I think the role has turned or the roles have reversed. And then a woman has a choice. She can say, well, I'm going to do both because I can't. And that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. So, which is good. And I think the younger generations as well have, have gone against a little bit of what some of those traditional things have been. Mm-hmm. They're not sticking by the traditional the woman is the the one that raises the kids, then the one that sacrifices her career, whereas the, the man is the breadwinner. I think that's changed a lot because I think a lot of the, the younger generations, at least that's what I'm starting to see, is that it's more of a part. It really is more of an equal partnership. They're both raising the kids. They're mm-hmm. taking turns. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's a, a completely different way to have the workforce. Yeah. I, so for, for me specifically, that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And I, I would not have been able to do nearly the amount of things that I did if it wasn't that partnership dynamic, just because my husband was so involved in terms of I'm going to keep the kids or I'm going to do this or, or, or whatever, so that I could focus on where I was at, at any given point during those first five years. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I certainly think that that has also helped change what I was talking about earlier with it being a role reversal and, and with it being a different set of circumstances in which we're able to make our choice. Support systems are always everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have the right infrastructure, this is true for businesses also, if you don't have the right infrastructure in place, it's not going to happen. So I thankfully and humbly appreciate my husband because I had the right infrastructure in place and still do. And I certainly think that 
fall, you don't have to rely on a, a man or a significant other. I think that it's oh, yeah. it's great to have that that backup and that support, same as you would, you know, a VP or COO or whatever the title is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly helps to have that support. In some cases, I mentioned this one woman, it takes a village sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you can't go, maybe your husband or your significant other can't go to pick them up for the cross or soccer or whatever, but mm-hmm. there's friends and relatives that can help that can pitch in mm-hmm. that also help. And it's things have changed in that regard. Yeah, they certainly have the woman. The, the women used to be the, the sole caretaker, right? Mm-hmm. There was this expectation that they stayed home and they did all the housework and they did all the chores and, and whatever all of that looks like. But it's just not that way anymore. And think rightfully so. We, we yeah. deserve the right to do whatever a man does. And so I think that it's been such a interesting experience to watch how it's evolved. Just, I mean, even in my lifetime, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in my early 30s, but it's changed even, even still. And it, it continues to change. Women decide, well, I, I don't, I don't want to live by those prescribed set of rules and they shouldn't have to. Very true. Now you're a leader, obviously, in the company. So for you, what would you suggest for other women who want to eventually maybe step into a role of a president or somewhere in the C-suite? What advice would you can give them about how to develop leadership skills? I would say that that this is a tough question for me to answer only because I feel like I forced myself to learn all of the things, right? Mm -hmm. And, And at a fast clip and hopefully I retained half of it, maybe not even, but I think that honing leadership skills and finding what you want to focus on is all about how, how can you set yourself apart, right? Like how can you prove your place in any given setting? And because I didn't come into the industry in a, let's say typical manner, Mm -hmm. it's why it's a hard question for me to answer. But I will say that my mom specifically said, one of the requirements that I'm going to have for you to be able to take over this company is that you're going to have to get an MBA. And at the time I said, well, that's quite frankly, stupid. Why do I need an MBA? What is that going to teach me? Right. But I do think that there is merit in going through that level of education. And I do think that you get something valuable from if nothing else, the experience alone, right? There are things to take away from education. Mm-hmm. And no, you don't have to take it all away. Like you don't have to internalize all of it, but I think that there is value. And then the other thing is I have learned kind of at the at the, the trial by fire, right? Like you get put in a really tough situation and you figure it out. And so I think that in terms of what I would say to an incoming woman leader or, or what I would focus on is, you know, go after the degree, go after the leadership class, right? Um, go after whatever it is you want because you can do it, right? But you just, I think that making yourself stand out and taking the time to make yourself stand out in a way that is not relevant, but in a way that that speaks up for you or that speaks volumes, however you want to look at it is really important. So this is a time where I would say, don't be quiet, right? Like use your voice and show up because that's how you're going to move to the next step. Right. I, um, I watch 
the the women that come into my company and it's so fun to work with them because I think, you know, they come from different industries or, you know, like I have one that came from real estate and I have another one that came from IT. And, and the one that came from IT was like, I look at you and I think she's older than me, mind you. And she goes, I look at you and, and you're, you're such a mentor. Like you listen to what I have to say and you, you give me the confidence to be able to do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that using your resources in the form of your leaders, whoever they may be, is also really valuable. So I certainly don't prescribe to do anything right, but apparently I, I did in this case. <laughs> it worked um, for you. Yeah. And it I, might work for others. You never know. Everybody learns differently. Everybody attacks a problem differently as well. Yeah. And I also think it's important to advocate for yourself and and know, know when a situation is a good situation and know when it's not. And, and what I mean by that is that there is such a thing as a bad boss. And I don't think that those are the companies where you want to spend your time trying to further yourself in, in your mm-hmm. career, right? Like you don't have to put up with a bad boss. There are hundreds of other companies that will willingly take you. And so I think that from my perspective as a CEO and what I'm focused on is I always want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing by my employees. So mm-hmm. I certainly would expect any of my employees to be able to say, have that candid conversation. And so I think that as a woman in the industry, if it's not the right fit, go to the next right fit. Right. Don't be stuck just because you think you don't have any other options. Exactly. I I think that that's such an important, I think that's an important lesson because I think that if we look at what's going on right now with the, what are they calling it? The um, great resignation. Yeah. I mean, it's like all of these, the sense of enlightenment, right. Where, Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't have to do that. Right. I don't have to learn from that person. I don't have to grow in that company. Well, the same is true here. And so I think it's really important to, to know, you know, internally, this is a, this is a good fit and this is where I can grow and I can learn and and I can move up, move up and maybe ultimately be the CEO of a company. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of women, I think it's, that's scary to take that step. You you're in a situation, it's a known entity, the uncertainty of, well, what would, might the next company be? It might be the same, Mm -hmm. might be worse. It might be way better. But to take that jump and that leap of faith in some ways is scary for women and men. It doesn't matter. The, un- no, the unknown I, is scary for everyone. It never matters because you, you have to make the choice. Am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? And it certainly is. The unknown is always scary, but it's not a bad thing. So in conclusion, I'm going to kind of go for one of the last questions I want to ask is from like the 30,000 foot view. Looking at the industry how do you think the industry as a whole can appeal to more women, more diversity and getting more perspectives into the industry? How can we go about doing that? It's a loaded question. I know that is, it's like, how do we solve all the world's problems? No, I know it's not all at once right in this, in this podcast. So (laughs) Um, if I had the answer, I would give it to you, but I, that's so or how tough. can we start on a, on a smaller level? Maybe what can your company do to help? And maybe yeah. that can be repeated. Right. So the point I was talking about earlier with bringing women in, I look at it from, you know, when I'm hiring, obviously I'm always thinking about diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion, right? Because we need it. I yeah. mean, you ask the question, we clearly need it. But the reality of it is that you don't always necessarily have the, the pool of candidates to choose from. Very true. So 
from my level, let's just use my company as an example. I I think what each of us needs to be aware of or, or what my company does is we make a concentrated effort to go after those people, right? To go after the women, to go after diversity, to find how we could potentially bring those people in that aren't there and how we can make a small change. Because if we can make a small change and we're at the level we're at, well, there's no reason why a big company, ones we don't need a name, but why they can't make the same change. And and I think it starts with really living it and breathing it in your company and making sure that all of your employees live and breathe it. Because if they can't, then it's not going to happen because those people aren't going to feel welcomed, Mm -hmm. but I don't struggle. I don't struggle with the women piece. I more so struggle with the diversity piece because it's just really hard to find those candidates. in. And I I don't know if that's a demographical thing or Mm -hmm. or what that is, but we try our best and we work with what we're given. And obviously we, we certainly always try to be cognizant of it, but I have to be honest in that I I couldn't solely make decisions based on that because I I would probably weed out the entire candidate pool. So very true. (laughs) Yeah. I think the first step is always awareness, right? And if you're not aware it's an issue, then it's kind of like you have your head stuck in the sand. So we're obviously aware of it. And then mm-hmm. I think the next step is action and how can you put it into action? And like I said, I don't have the magical answer. I wish I did, but it's certainly awareness and action and, and how you put it into action is the only way that this industry can, I think, move forward in terms of bringing in diversity because we think that the women aspect is the only not missing component, but let's just say it's lacking. There's not enough of us, Mm -hmm. but the diversity piece is just as big, if not bigger. To get a good rounded company, you need the different perspectives, the different life experiences. Certainly. And I think that's true for the industry too. I think that it is changing. Don't get me wrong. I wish it was changing faster. I wish we had more women, more diversity now, but obviously these things take time and, and you can't necessarily weed everybody out at one time, right? You don't want to weed everybody out, but you want to bring in fresh perspective. And that's so important for us to be able to grow and evolve, not just related to my company, but also as an industry. Mm -hmm. So my last question, knowing what you know now as president, CEO, a leader in the printing industry, what advice would you give to yourself when you were just starting out, running around the shop about entering the family business, about entering the printing industry? What would you tell yourself? I probably tell myself it's okay to give yourself a little grace. Mm -hmm. I think I was on this mission to prove everything so quickly and to say, you know, I can do all of this now, 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 now. And I'm going to show you how I can do all of this. No problem. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I'm a woman and I can't, but you don't have to do that. I think that I, I would tell myself, take a step back, like see the bigger picture, Mm -hmm. breathe, smell the roses. Like it's, it's okay to pause. The other thing I would probably tell myself is have patience and trust the process. There are a lot of times where I don't do it now, but when I was younger or younger in my career, however you Mm -hmm. want to say that, I was so impatient and I expected change to happen instantaneously. And that's just not realistic. I mean, 
it's, it's never realistic. It doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. Right. But what my 20 year old self didn't know my 30 year old self does know. And I'm sure my 40 year old self will have even more input to give. Of course. Um, But yeah, I I think that while it's important to be high achieving and and do all the things you can do, it doesn't all have to be done at once. Mm -hmm. You know, not everything's immediate. Right. So patience sometimes is the hardest thing. Well, they say it's a virtue. So we must, we must need it for some reason. Yes, indeed. So everything doesn't happen all at once, perhaps probably. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do it all at once. Just, it's not possible. Definitely not possible. Well, Lane, thank you so much. It was a really awesome conversation to have with you today. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. So thanks again. <laughs>